Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, this is going to be weird to say, one of the most beloved serial killers in TV history is coming back. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. The next Pixar movie has been pushed to streaming as part of Disney's pivot away from theaters. I also watched the first couple episodes of a thrilling new show on Global called Next, and I've got a sneak peek review of Volume 2 of Unsolved Mysteries, which debuts Monday on Netflix. Look. Oh. Uh, yes. No, no. It's horrible, isn't it? Isn't it? Look, or I'll cut your eyelids right off your face. Killer news this week from Showtime, which announced it is bringing back for a limited 10-episode run, Dexter, the popular show based on a book series, aired for eight seasons from 2006 to 2013, and was about Dexter Morgan, a serial killer who kills other killers. Cody! Aster! Time for school! Can you sleep last night? Uh, an hour and a half, maybe. Dexter Morgan, good suburban husband, happy father of three. On paper, anyway. Dexter Morgan has everything he wants, except the one thing he needs. Okay, you planning on both of us not sleeping for another three months? <laughs> a little time to kill. So Dexter works as a blood spatter expert with the Miami police forensics team. And on the side, he kills bad people. This was a very popular show. It was one of my favorites for years. It's won several awards, but it did lose its way, ultimately wrapping up with just a ridiculous storyline involving his stepsister, Deborah, falling in love with him. I mean, look, I get it. They're not blood relatives, but come on. Also, actors Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter were married, and then they weren't during the run of the show. So this particular storyline just always felt like a sick joke to me that was being played on the actors by the show's writers and producers. It was just insanely stupid. And the series finale was wildly disappointing. I didn't mind the final shot, that final scene where he's now a lumberjack. I found it to be kind of poetic, artistic, thought-provoking, and tragic. But overall, that finale was just a dud. And uh, because of that, I got some mixed emotions here. We'll get to that in a moment. But before anything else, Jeff, I can't even remember. Did you watch Dexter when it was on? I did watch Dexter when it was on. And like a lot of Dexter fans, I really, really enjoyed the first, I guess, four seasons up to the uh, John Lithgow season, right? I think that was probably the creative highlight of the entire series. And then... After that, there was uh, the was it Colin Hanks? Was he in one of the seasons? Yeah. Yep. Him, him and the Battlestar guy. That was a terrible season. <laughs> and the stuff you mentioned from the ending, that was terrible too. I can't remember a lot of. I don't know. I guess season six, whatever that was. I don't recall. But uh, I, I did. I did watch it. I watched all of it, and I enjoyed most of it. And I really enjoyed the first few seasons. Yeah, I should mention as well. We actually talked about this potential reboot almost two years ago, back in November 2018. Michael C. Hall had indicated that he might be up for a return. He spoke to Variety back then and he said, quote, People on the street are always telling me about the talk of a Dexter reboot. There have been little percolations, but nothing that's felt worth pursuing. 
Prior to that, he told the Daily Beast, even though most of the show's fans hated the series ending, saying, quote, it left a gnarly knot in some viewers' stomachs. I stand by how that eighth season ended. He said then he was up to return to the role, but it has to be a good idea. At the time, there had been no official discussions and nothing had been greenlit. So now here we are. And some good news is that Clyde Phillips is returning as showrunner. The writer was the showrunner for the first four seasons of the show, which, as you pointed out, Jeff, season four is where it peaked with that excellent Trinity Killer storyline featuring just an ice-cold turn from John Lithgow. Now, Gary Levine, Showtime's co-president of entertainment, said this about the revival. Dexter is such a special series, both for its millions of fans and for Showtime, as this breakthrough show helped put our network on the map many years ago. We would only revisit this unique character if we could find a creative take that was truly worthy of the brilliant original series. Well, I am happy to report that Clyde Phillips and Michael C. Hall have found it, and we can't wait to shoot it and show it to the world. So I guess this is where I have mixed emotions, or I suppose I should say had mixed emotions, because my immediate reaction to this news was skepticism and even cynicism. But then I very quickly started to think about it, and I thought, well, that series finale really disappointed me. So maybe... They've come up with something better. They, they had to have come up with something better to even bother doing this. And who knows, maybe they're drawing from the books. I don't know. I mean, the books and the show ended up being completely different beasts. The first season was very much similar to the first book. Pretty much the same story. A few major differences here and there. They changed a couple of characters, or at least what happened to those characters. But from there, the books and the show went completely separate ways. The books, for the most part, kept Dexter kind of in the same spot emotionally. He never grew. He never really evolved. He was just this stone-cold killer trying to fake his way through life while he took out the trash. I mean, he wasn't a bad guy. He was just a killer. Uh, Whereas TV Dexter did grow emotionally. He did evolve, and he was genuinely trying to be a good, productive member of society and learn how to be a human being all while dealing with his violent, shall we say, habit. I, uh, I think I preferred the TV approach, although they did write themselves into, into a corner when he and his wife had a baby because he kept having to pawn the baby off to a babysitter. I always imagine the writers sitting around the room saying, well, damn, what do we do with a baby here? I don't know, just dump her off to the sitter again. So anyway, I'm get, I know I'm getting sidetracked. Bottom line for me, I'm excited. Uh, what about you? Are you excited, Jeff? Well, first of all, that's the number one rule. Babies ruin TV shows, and that's why it sucks whenever someone has a baby on TV for just that reason. They <laughs> got to pawn it off somewhere because the baby almost never fits into any worthwhile storyline. Uh, yeah, I have, I've, I'm, I agree with you for those reasons. Normally, I roll my eyes when they bring a show back, but like you said, the finale was so loathed by so many that they've got nothing to lose. It can only go up from where they left off, so why not have at it? I, I, I'm actually kind of excited for it. It'll be fun to revisit this world, I think. Yeah, the re- reaction I've seen has largely been positive. I think enough time has passed for them to do this, and I think there is a genuine appetite to see them really stick the landing here. And like For example, 24 was on for eight seasons. It ended in 2010. And it came back for a limited summer event series not long after, in 2014. They called that Live Another Day. And I thought it was good. And the ending of that 
series, I think was a little bit more emotional and apropos for the Jack Bauer character because the season eight finale just sort of ended abruptly. And it wasn't bad either. It just, I don't know. I liked the ending more for the limited series. Fox, though, Fox was the parent network for 24. Fox tried to double dip, bringing back Prison Break for its own limited run. Uh, That show was initially on for four seasons, ending in 2009, and it came back in 2017 for that limited series, and uh, it wasn't very good. I don't really remember much of that series at all, in fact. And the fact that I can't remember it means it certainly wasn't great. So anyway, I really hope they get this right, and I'm excited to see more Dexter. Everyone else would probably thank me if they knew I was the one who drained him of his life. Good job in there, Dex. You sliced him up good. In fact, deep down, I'm pretty sure they'd appreciate a lot of my work. We're going to take out the trash. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, they see me. I'm one of them. In their darkest dreams. Up next, let's have a quick chat about some other revivals and reboots where maybe they did stick the landing and others where they completely missed the boat. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. In our first segment, we were celebrating the return of Dexter, which will be coming back to Showtime for a 10-episode ninth season, as it were. And it got us thinking about other revivals and reboots that we love, or, of course, the ones that we hate. And I want to start off with mentioning one, the one I think I like the most. It's certainly the one I watch the most. It's the new version of Magnum P.I. You've had my back since before we were even partners. Let me help you. This is insane. I don't see any other option. I mean, you do want to stay in Hawaii, don't you? Yes. Well, okay then, you have no other choice. So, that being the case, will you fake marry me? The new Magnum P.I. has been on for two seasons, and of course, it's a reboot of the series from the 80s, which launched Tom Selleck into superstardom. The new version hasn't exactly done the same for Jay Hernandez, but it is a fun show. I'm not going to lie and say it's as good as the original either, which holds up very well for an 80s show, but I enjoy this new one. The Hawaiian setting, of course, is a big part of that, but the show also has cultivated some interesting character relationships over the course of its two seasons, including Magnum and Juliet, who we heard in the clip there. She's the Higgins in this one, by the way, and there's a flirtatious thing there, so it's quite a different dynamic than the old show. And Rick and TC and some of the others are fun to hang out with for an hour each week as well. The weakness, of course, is the actual cop show part of it, which is a very run-of-the-mill CBS procedural type thing, and can get tiresome some weeks they either just started or are about to start filming season three by the way which should debut early in the new year if they can keep their schedule as planned this same family of reboots also includes uh, hawaii 50 and macgyver and so you know those aren't the same as the old versions they're the new updated versions but the people that watch them seem to like them but there's nothing really special there a couple of other uh, notable revivals in my viewing the last couple of years brett Th- that 90210 that weird reunion season they had last year where the actors played themselves not their 90210 characters like jason priest who played jason Priestley, not brandon walsh but they also ended up having some very 90210-esque uh, storylines happen to them so they weren't really themselves but it, it was it was a like a wild meta take on everything and i thought it was a lot of fun 
The the Connors, I didn't end up watching past the first two episodes, but when it came back as Roseanne, but I thought it was pretty good. I, I don't think they embarrassed themselves coming back with that one. Um, from a TV show point of view, of course, all the drama with Roseanne is probably regrettable. Um, Arrested Development is the big bad one on my list. It's the one that hurts because Arrested Development fans, myself included, were so excited for the return of the show when Netflix made a fourth season seven years after the third season ended in 2006 the first three seasons stone cold classics they absolutely put the show in the top 10 all-time sitcom discussion and so we were just foaming at the mouth for a fourth season and then it turned out to be a huge disappointment it wasn't you know really bad per se it just did not have the magic that the original run had a lot of that had to do with uh, changing up the format instead of a large ensemble for each episode each episode focused on one or two characters which was at the time a necessary evil because of the scheduling of the actors and it just didn't have the spark we were used to and then they ended up making a fifth season a couple years after that and honestly i still haven't seen it <laughs> and i still really loved the first three seasons but i just haven't been able to bring myself to pull the trigger on season five because season four left such a, a a bitter taste in my mouth for reasons I, I don't fully understand because it wasn't truly terrible, but it just was not in a class with the earlier work. Well, when I was thinking about which other shows I either liked or disliked that have been sort of revived or rebooted, at least temporarily, for whether it's for a limited run or just a brand new run, and I forgot over the last few years how many Old yeah. shows have been made new again. You found this article on Business Insider. It's from last year, uh, but it's pretty much up to date. And I'm just scrolling through this list. I forgot, for example, that NBC rebooted Heroes. They did Heroes Reborn back in uh, 2015, 2016. And one of the reasons why I was excited about that is because I f felt like they just blew that series Entirely, the, the the first the promise that that se uh, series had in its first season, they just screwed it up the rest of the way. But I stuck with it all the way through for whatever stubborn reason I don't know. Uh, but I was hoping that this limited series would again leave me with a better taste in my mouth. But same thing, it was just just not good at all. Uh, but I watched it. I did enjoy the reboot of V. Back in uh, 2009 to 2011, that was uh, the 80s alien show. So they rebooted that for a couple of years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's then they how long canceled ago, it. That's how, long, that's how long ago that was? Uh, 2009, 2011. Oh, my God. I would have thought that was like five years ago. Yeah. I know. I can't, it's over 10 years ago that they started that reboot. So that's kind of nuts. Uh, Fuller House. I could never bring myself to watch it. Just watching the trailers <laughs> for that uh, made me want to throw up a little bit. So I, I just I, I liked Full House a little bit when I was a kid, but I eventually ended up hating it. So I couldn't go back Dude, to watch it. Do what that. I do. Blame it on your sister. You had to watch it because she wanted to watch it. <laughs> That's why I've seen every episode of Full House. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, no, the original I one. Okay, well, I think we both enjoyed the original for a time, but not so much. 24 Legacy, I mentioned 24 Live Another Day, and then they started a new series, 24 Legacy, with a new character uh, played by actor Corey Hawkins, and it wasn't a bad show, but it just wasn't 24. I think they were hoping that the format, the real-time action format, would be able to carry with a different character, but it was even though it was the gimmick, I think, and that format that sort of 
made the show enticing. It was Kiefer yeah. Sutherland as Jack Bauer that made that show. Jack Bauer is 24, so it didn't work. So uh, the lesson there is the word legacy. Don't use it because the Born Legacy had the exact same problem. Oh, yeah, that's right, with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. And that was a good movie. Yeah, but they just shouldn't have called it. They just should have gave him a different name and had it not be change all the words so it wasn't, you know, in the Born universe and it would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, they, I forgot about the X-Files reboot they did a couple of years ago, That I guess 2016 to 2018. I remember wanting to like it more than I did. Uh, I never did watch any of the Twilight Zone. Will and Grace, I watched a couple episodes of that. That seemed funny. Boom. That That one feels to me like the one that makes the most sense, where it feels like they just started the show again and picked up right where they left off, and it's the same as it was. You know what I mean? Like, quality-wise, it's not like... Uh, earlier will and grace and later will and grace it's all will and grace it just had a gap in the middle yeah and uh i never did watch the twin peaks re- reboot and i i've got amazon prime i always wanted to watch the tick they've got that on prime i should check to see if that is there so clearly there's a lot of reboots out there and uh, again hopefully they get it right when it comes to dexter up next on the couch potatoes i gotta tell you about next you're listening to the couch potatoes I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. I want to tell you about a couple of shows that I watched this week. One of them is a fun new show, debuted just over two weeks back on October 6th on Global. AI Goes Haywire on Next. Two weeks ago, I noticed something strange. I'm almost positive this is not a person. It is not happy that I found it. Dr. Bernard Wise was killed in a series of cyber attacks. He noticed this code. I wrote this code. Artificial intelligence. I know. Makes you think about sci-fi and robots with red eyes. Forget all that crap. It's the kind that thinks like an actual person. I am your friend, right? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Eliza. She's asking me stuff. No, Eliza doesn't ask questions. She just answers them. Oh, this Eliza does. So this show is described as follows. From creator and executive producer Manny Koto from 24 Legacy. Normally I wouldn't mention the producer, uh, creator, but the fact that it's from 24 Legacy, we already mentioned that. I figured I should mention that. Next is a propulsive, fact-based thriller about the emergence of a deadly, rogue artificial intelligence that combines pulse-pounding action with a layered examination of how technology is invading our lives and transforming us in ways we don't yet understand. The main star is John Slattery. So the first thing about that description that I I loved, I think I've pointed this out before, but I'll point it out again, is that they saw fit to throw in fact-based thriller. Anytime you see that kind of thing in a network TV description, makes me think that they're just trying to sell it up more than, or they're trying to put lipstick on a pig. But I liked this. It's only two episodes in so far. So if you want to catch up, you can catch up on demand or use the global TV app or whatever. But uh, next, I thought it had a good story about this artificial intelligence going rogue. It seemed realistic enough. You know, it takes elements of what we know from sci-fi movies, but it grounded it in our technology. It seemed a bit more similar to the Skynet approach they had in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, where that was uh, rogue software as opposed to Skynet being this, like, hardware kind of network. Um, scary to think, I mean, eventually there were machines that came and killed us still, but uh, scary to think that this could happen, this this notion that uh, an artificial intelligence that can sort of grow itself and, and make itself stronger and smarter um, 
I guess it's basically like Ultron from the Avengers 2 minus the, the robot body. And uh, with everything we have run by technology these days, it really doesn't seem that far-fetched that a computer could hack into your car via Wi-Fi and take over because everything is run by computer in your car now. Um, especially when you can just talk to someone about something. Then you Has this ever happened to you, Jeff, where you're, like, you're just having a chat with somebody about something and then you start seeing ads for that product on your phone? Yep, all that. the time. Sometimes I swear I'm just thinking about something and it does that. So, yeah, like they're they're already listening. And John Slattery, he's great. I love him in anything he does. And his character is basically like Tony Stark from the Marvel movies. And I guess Slattery had some experience in that field because he played Tony Stark's dad in a couple of key flashback scenes. So far, it's fun, good cast. It's not too networky. Tough to imagine how they make this a full series. Like if this goes five seasons and they're still chasing this rogue artificial intelligence, that's going to get old. So that's <laughs> next. You can catch up on that. And I also just wanted to quickly tell you about how coming on Monday, October 19th to Netflix, volume two of Unsolved Mysteries and I've got a sneak peek review. Why is it important to find out why a person died nearly 25 years ago? People die all the time. Well, I think her family deserves to know what happened to her. So last week I told you about Volume 1, which debuted back on July 1st, and I watched one of those six episodes right away, then never got around to the rest until last week. So this week, I watched Volume 2. I remember liking Unsolved Mysteries as a kid, but I really don't remember the content all that much. I don't remember it being so sad, and I don't think that's a bad thing in context of what they've produced here, because this is a very well-produced series. It's just It's slick production, and they've got this great recreation kind of footage, but it's very subtle, uh, yet detailed. Like, they're not trying to have dramatic recreations of what happened. They'll just shoot someone walking down the street in slow motion, and they're meant to be a stand-in for this missing person. Uh, the footage, there's one episode where there's footage at a dump, and it is... Some of the most mesmerizing footage I've ever seen because they've got this slow motion footage of a giant tractor pushing garbage while all these seagulls are flying overhead. And it's just incredible stuff. And the story, of course, the story involved in that episode was fascinating. And you heard some Japanese in that clip. There's an episode that takes place after the tsunami in 2011. And that episode started off just gripping. Uh, partly for the reminder of how devastating that event was. They showed footage of that that I had never seen. But the mystery was about the so-called ghosts who started to appear after the tsunami. And um, it wasn't... It, it didn't really feel like a mystery. It just felt more like a retelling. It was emotional and philosophical, and I quite enjoyed it, but it just didn't feel like a mystery, and it didn't feel like it fit very much like season or the first volume where they the it was like five just crime stories about missing people or murdered people, and then they shoehorned in this alien episode, and they've done the same thing in season 
two, I keep saying season, it's volume. They're volume two of Unsolved Mysteries, where now they've shoehorned in this ghost episode. Uh, and it's this, in the same episode number. It's episode five. Five tragic mysteries, one weird slash supernatural one. They just felt out of place. And um, I would also suggest the dark theme music doesn't quite fit either because some of these stories are really, really sad. And to have it end on this really sad, tragic, emotional note, and then to then come in with that, you know, I didn't have the music queued up. I thought I would do it myself, but I don't know. It doesn't. Anyway, I like overall, this is a very, very good series in terms of crime documentaries or documentaries in general. If you like this sort of stuff, this will be right up your alley. And it's only six episodes for volume one, six episodes for volume two. So, uh, and they're only like 40 minutes each. So that's uh, perfect, I think, for me. So, all right. And I also just wanted to quickly mention uh, The Boys, season two finale on Amazon Prime. Wow, it was so good. And they tweeted this week that season three will start filming in early 2021. Jensen Ackles, who plays Dean Winchester on Supernatural, he's joining the fold as Soldier Boy, the first superhero in this universe. And they tweeted a, na- a pic of the name of the first episode. It's called Payback, and that was the name of Soldier Boy's team, so I'm excited about that. I can't remember, Jeff. Uh, do you have Prime? I do have Prime. I have not yet watched The Boys. I'm still watching uh, Jack Ryan. I'm about halfway through season oh, yes. two of that. That's right. You, yeah. you, you do have the Prime because you told me about Jack Ryan. Okay, so when you finish Jack Ryan, yeah. maybe we'll trade. I'll start watching Jack Ryan, and you start watching The Boys, <laughs> and we can do sort of uh, some counter-analysis. I think you're going to like that, and I have meant to watch Jack Ryan. Thank you very much for the reminder. Yeah. Up next, we got to speak of streaming services. Disney made some big announcements this week. We'll share some of those right away. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And Disney dropped a new trailer this week and also dropped a bit of a bombshell, too. The trailer is for the upcoming Pixar animated movie Soul, starring Jamie Foxx as a school band teacher who dies, question mark? This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Here we are. Don't worry. You can't crush a soul here. That's what life on Earth is for. I can't smell. We can't... We can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell. No taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Disney and Pixar's Soul. Get ready. Your life is about to start. Start streaming December 25th. And right there at the end is the bombshell bread. It starts streaming on Christmas Day. In recent weeks, Disney, of course, has pushed a lot of its blockbusters into next year. And this week announced it's reorganizing its business units to focus even more on streaming. The primary focus will be on making shows and movies for their streaming services like Disney Plus, Hulu, etc. And uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek made all this, uh, told us all this in a statement this week. And while it sounds like it's, you know, could be the death knell for theatrical releases. From Disney, a lot of people believe the company only put out this statement to sort of keep the stock price afloat and that once the pandemic's over, it'll be back to theaters for all their big movies. The truth, of course, is that 
no one has any idea what the future holds in the entertainment world, and only time will twell. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course, falls under the Disney umbrella and has almost presciently taken a huge turn into streaming shows pre-pandemic. They plotted out all sorts of stuff. WandaVision set to debut in December, three more shows sometime next year, and a few the year after that. But, of course, they do have their big movies with Black Widow already pushed to next year. So, I mean, some Marvel movies, of course, will come out in theaters. And speaking of those Marvel movies, there was news this week about the third Spider-Man movie in this latest run. We're going to be bachelors in Europe, Peter. Ned, look, I may not know much, but I do know this. Europeans love Americans. Really? And more than half of them are women. Okay, sure, but I really like MJ, man, okay? She's awesome, she's super funny in a kind of dark way, and sometimes I catch her looking at me, and I feel like I've stood up way too, she's coming up. Just don't say it. What up, dorks? Excited about the science trip? Hey, uh, yeah, we're just talking about the trip. Yeah, and Peter's plan. You have a plan? I don't, I don't have a plan. No, he's, he's just gonna collect tiny spoons when we're traveling to other countries. Like a, like a grandmother? That cracks me up. I don't know. Tom Holland won't be the only Spider-Man on the screen next time around, Brett. It seems previous Spider-Men, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, have joined the cast, meaning they are almost certainly doing some sort of a multiverse story. Cumberdink Humplebatch will appear as Doctor Strange, and that, you know, further <laughs> suggests the multiverse. You like that one? Yes. <laughs> I, I was about to start typing his name, and I was like, I'll never get it in one shot, so I just went with Cumberdink. Humplebatch. <laughs> also said to be joining in the fun is, well, from Pixar Soul, Jamie Foxx reprising his role of Electro from that second Andrew Garfield movie, which is among the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. So this new Spider-Man movie slated for release late next year. But again, putting dates on these things at this point is kind of ridiculous. So what do you think about all that? What do you think about three Spider-Men in one movie for starters, Brett? Well, the Spider-Man thing, first of all, I think I, I actually commend them for going this route because the Spider-Verse has been a major component of the comic books. And I think we might even see a Miles Morales uh, get into this as well. So I, and I love the idea of, of putting... Tobey Maguire back on screen as a Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield back on screen as Spider-Man because I liked them both. Like, I think Tom Holland is great and certainly I think it's probably the best version we've seen of Spider-Man. But Tobey Maguire, I think, yeah. did a good job. He And he... The thing with Tobey Maguire is he played the role that was written and, and directed. Like, Sam Raimi has a particular style of filmmaking, which can be overdramatic at times. It can be almost campy. And, uh, he, you know, Tobey Maguire, I think, takes a lot of heat for that emo sort of transition that he made in Spider-Man 3. But he was doing exactly what was on the script, and I thought he did a great job. Like, when he's walking down the street dancing like an idiot, people hate that. I thought it was perfect because it... He was trying to be cool, but he looked like an like a dork, and yeah, yeah. He, I think he nailed that. Andrew Garfield, I liked him as Spider Man. I think they pushed him a little too hard to be edgy, like they were trying to make him like edgy and cool. But Peter Parker was never edgy or cool. He was always a nerd, but he was still, I think, a good character. And I think he and uh, Emma Stone had amazing chemistry on screen and the costume in that amazing spider-man 2 was my personal favorite of all the film versions we've seen of spider-man costumes but they just screwed that movie up so bad so it's kind of yeah. nice to, to give them a chance to go back and 
and try it again. Well, it was literally like their desperate attempt to quickly make a movie because it was just a, a rights issue, right? Like they yeah. had to put out a movie by a certain date to retain the rights and they didn't want to give it back up. And so, I mean, that's a, a terrible starting block for a successful movie, at least like a critically successful movie. I'm sure it still made a ton of money. What do you think about the Disney plan overall to just say the hell with theaters? We're just going to do it all on streaming from now on. Well, you you had to wonder when the shoe would drop because here we are into October and it looks like there's no sign of a slowdown of this pandemic and companies got to make up their mind as to what they're going to do. And I almost hate to say this, but I sort of think this was inevitable regardless of whether or not a pandemic was coming. I do hope that they continue to release movies in theaters, but I think this is a smart move. I know they're holding out hope that Black Widow can get into a theater because that would really suck. I think if Black Widow yeah. didn't get debut on a big screen, but hey, Soul on a Christmas Day, that's not too bad. And I know, uh, speaking of big movies, of mad movies, you're really excited about this one. Well, there's good news and less good news about Mad Max, Brett. The good news is director George Miller is planning to make a prequel about Furiosa, the character played by Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road. They're looking for hope. What about you? Redemption. Fury Road was a big hit back in 2015. It won a bunch of Oscars, was nominated for a bunch more, including Best Picture, and Charlize was amazing in it. Which brings us to the less good news. She won't be in the prequel. Ah. Miller is instead... I know, right? Instead, Miller is cast... Anya Taylor-Joy to play young Furiosa. She starred in the recent adaptation of uh, Emma, and I'm sure she's a fine actress, but, I mean, Charlize is iconic in that role, and I would suggest tailoring the movie to include her would be the smarter move, but, alas, here we are. The the prequel will also star Chris Hemsworth and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II from Watchmen, but no word yet on when that movie will be made or released. I think George Miller likes to take his time, so could be a while before we see it, but... I'm just glad there'll be another Mad Max movie from George Miller because Fury Road was the most fun kind of insane there was. One of the only movies I have given the sectional five couch cushions out of five. Just straight mind-blowing insanity. That car chase through the desert is one of my favorite things on film. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.